Welcome to the Gap Church Podcast, where we're filling the gap through freedom and the truth. Please enjoy this week's message. Welcome to the Gap Church. Um, If this is your first time, welcome. My name is David Oluwadara-Potusen. I am one of the leaders here at the Gap Church, and I have the privilege of sharing a word with you all this afternoon, and um, I'm excited. Um, Thank you for joining us. You could be anywhere um, this afternoon, but you're here, and so we appreciate you for taking out your time um, for our 11.30 a.m. service. Can we just give a hand for the worship team as well? Perfect. And so I don't want to waste too much time. I'm going to hop right into it. Um, Obviously, we just came off of an amazing series. Can we just make some noise for the series as we just ended? We just came off of our revival series, Code Blue. And if you do not know what I'm saying, just go back and uh, search up the Gap Church on YouTube, on podcasts, Spotify. And I want you to go ahead and just review the, the series Code Blue. It was an amazing series, right? Right, it was. It was, it was amazing. And so, um, obviously, what, what, what happens next? I mean, that's a lot of pressure. What do, you, what do you preach after, like, six, seven weeks of fire, you know? Um, <laughs> By the end of the day, we thank God because he's the one that sends me. I didn't send myself. So um, today is going to be great, and uh, I want to get right into it. Genesis 28, let's open our Bibles to Genesis 28, verse 10 to 12. Genesis 28, 10 to 12, and 16 to 18. That's what we're going to be reading from Genesis um, 28, 10 to 12. Shout out to the media team for the promptness. Um, so we're going to get right into it. So it says, and Jacob left Beersheba and went towards Haran, verse 11. And he came to a certain place and stayed there overnight because the sun was set. Taking one of the stones of the place, he put it under his head and lay down there to sleep. Next. And he dreamed that there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending. Let's go to verse 16. Now, this is after Jacob has that dream. Jacob awoke from his sleep and he said, surely the Lord is in this place and I did not know. Verse 17. He was afraid and said, how to be feared and reverenced is this place? This is none other than the house of God and this is the gateway to heaven. Verse 18. And Jacob rose early in the morning and took the stone he had put under his head. And he set it up for a pillar, a monument to the vision in his dream, and he poured oil on its top in dedication. Bless the reading of God's word. If you're taking notes, the uh, title for today's, manage- today's message whoa, is Mismanagement for Monuments. Mismanagement for Monuments. Mismanagement for Monuments. So in the scripture, I want us to go back to that scripture, uh, Genesis 28. Uh, let's go to verse... Uh, Let's go to verse 16. In this scripture, we see that Jacob comes upon a place. Obviously, Jacob is tired. He's probably traveling. He's running away from uh, his brother Esau because of the wild things he did, if you know the story. And so he comes to a place. He's obviously tired and goes ahead and just sleeps. Obviously, he has a dream. And this dream, he sees angels ascending and descending. And obviously, in scripture, we see that uh, that, uh, God speaks to Jacob in this dream. And so once Jacob wakes up, this is a scripture that many of us know, but it's very important. We skip it a lot because it's just like, you know, it is what it is. Jacob awoke and he said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. I did not even know it. And so Jacob doesn't know that God is in this place until he had the dream that God displayed the angels ascending and ascending. And so after that, we go to verse 18. 
what happens is that because of this discovery and this awe and Jacob being fathomed like, wow, this is crazy. What he does is that the next morning, the same stone he slept on, he now uses it as almost a monument to say this is a place where God is. And he calls it Bethel, the place, right? And so as I was preparing for this, uh, this week, this scripture was just dinging in my head over and over and over. And, and what I believe that God wants to, to share with us today is specifically that Jacob was in a place where God was and he did not even know it. If it wasn't for the mercy of God, he would have never known he was standing in a place God was. Let's be real. And so, in a way, to make up, maybe in my opinion, to make up for the fact that he was so unaware, so desensitized, so numb to the presence of God, what does he do? He builds a monument and says, this is a place where God is. You see, the danger of what Jacob has done is that it is true, God is in that place. But he doesn't address the fact that he did not know. He addresses the obvious that it's true. God is in this place. God showed me. He spoke to me. And I'm going to put a marker here and say that God is truly moving in this place. But he never goes back to think, why didn't I think or know that God was actually in this place? To him, the monument is enough. To him, as long as he sees that rock every time he comes there, he'll remember that, oh, yeah, this is the place where God was. Now, in a way, when we look at the scripture, I see that Jacob mismanaged a situation. What does this mean? You see, how can God be in a place and you don't know? How could God be in a place and you are asleep? You see, I find this as a mismanagement of God's presence. God manifesting himself, but you are not prepared. God manifesting himself, but you are asleep. And so we'll go on further. What does it mean to mismanage? What does mismanage mean? Because I'm sure many of us are familiar with this uh, word, unfortunately. Um, you know, it's a good insult. You just mismanage everything, you know. Um, mismanagement. It means to manage something wrongly or poorly. To manage something wrongly or poorly. And so today I'm going to be talking about how we as people mismanage the presence of God. God, that makes no sense. I thought God is supposed to come to us and he manifests himself. How do we have a part to play, you know, in, in, in God's presence? You know, I thought the worship team this. I thought the prayer team that. Isn't that what makes the, the presence blah, blah, blah? Yeah, you, you, you can mismanage the presence of God. How do we mismanage it? We're going to go through these points quickly. Number one, we are asleep. We are asleep spiritually and physically. We see in the scripture that Jacob comes to this place where God is. And what does he do? He sleeps. He just sleeps. Many of us come into the sanctuary, come into church. I'll use church as an example. We come into church and we are mentally asleep. We are mentally asleep. We're checked out. Everything is happening, but we are somewhere else. We are focused on one light. Why, why is that light doing that? We're focused on the worship leader's outfit. Many of us are looking at the person next to us. Oh, she's kind of cute, you know. She, ooh, you know. We're looking at someone's hair. We're focused on our phones. I'm so surprised. We drove 
15, 20, 30 minutes, some people an hour to come here, and you're telling me that you're going to be focused on something else? And you're wondering why your life hasn't changed? Okay, I'll go back home. We have our secret place. Today I'm going to pray for 30 minutes. We go into the prayer closet. We come in there. And then we're like, okay, let me just, you know, do five minutes of entertainment time, you know, just so I can get myself prepped up. Watch a little bit of YouTube. Five minutes of our prayers, I'm already. And then we start praying. Then there's buzzing. Buzzing text. Oh, this is really important. I got to reply to this text. You know, oh, my bro's calling me. We are so out of it when we even come into our secret places. Many times, we are only there just to check off the amount of time that we're praying. Praying, quote, unquote. Oh, I prayed 30 minutes today. No, you didn't. You prayed 10 minutes. And you passively spoke in tongues and did some other stuff for the other 10 minutes. And then you're on your phone kind of scrolling for a certain song for the other 10 minutes. We are asleep when it comes to the presence of God. Physically, we're asleep too. We got home, instead of us to take a nap, we want to go and do something else. Go hop on a call. Now it's, now it's time to pray. God understands. At least I fell asleep in the presence of God. Please. While Jacob was sleeping, if Jacob saw that in his dream, imagine what Jacob would have saw with his eyes open. We move on. Number two, how do we mismanage the presence of God? Familiarity, familiarity, familiarity. This is super simple. We look at the story of Sarah. I'll just put down the scriptures. Genesis 18.1. You can write this down. Genesis 18.1 to 3 and 9 to 14. Genesis 18, verse 1 to 3, verse 9 to 14. We use the example of Sarah, Abraham's wife. You see, there were certain visitors that came to Abraham's house. And Abraham had the sensitivity because here's the thing. One of the ways we mismanage the presence of God is because we are so insensitive now. We're so numb. Abraham realized that these three men that are at his door must be from the Lord. And so what he, does, he hosts them well. And while the three men are there, they say, your wife, where's your wife? He said, she's, you know, she's, she's another ten. They said, well, your wife is going to have a child. And what happens is that Sarah overhears this and laughs. And the men said, why is your wife laughing? I mean, that's creepy. Let's be real. Somebody's in another room and they're like, oh, why is that person doing this? Uh-uh. Get out the house. <laughs> why is your wife laughing? And the scripture says, is anything too hard for God? You see, Sarah was so familiar with God and familiar with her situation. Let me just say her situation because that can be many, many of us. Her situation, I'm old. I'm barren. I've, I'm used to this. I don't need any more hope. Let's be real. Don't give me any more hope. We're too old. And my husband, <clears throat> it don't work like how it used to. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we're old. There's no way this, this right here is capable of caring anymore. So familiar to the fact that when the presence of God is standing in your house, it eliminates what you're used to. It eliminates what you have kept as a standard, it eliminates the box that you put around God. Yes, you put a box around God. But the moment God shows up to your doorstep, everything goes out the window. 
And that's why God says, <laughs> is anything too hard for me? Why is she laughing? But she was so familiar with her situation. Number three, how do we mismanage the presence of God? The thing is that we don't know the nature of God well. We don't know God well at all. Many of us, when we come to the presence of God, we know a fixture of somebody else's explanation. I heard you're a healer, God, so um, what's up? And so we look at the scripture, just write this down. John 4.10, John 4.10. Jesus is with the woman at the well, and he's having this conversation. And she's saying that, uh, she's saying that are you thirsty? Would you, you know, you know, this type of thing. Where is it? There we go. Jesus answered her, if you had only known and had recognized God's gift and who this is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him instead. What is Jesus saying? If you would know who I am, you would not even be saying none of these stuff to me. You would simply be asking me to give you this drink to give you this water, to give you this living water. If you knew who I was, many of us cannot recognize when the presence of God is in a room anymore. We think it's drums. We think it's the music. We think it's all these things. Please, wake up. What does scripture say? False prophets are running everywhere. If, 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 you're, if you don't recognize it, ah, I'm sorry, man. This is the time you have to have your antennas up. He said, if you knew, if you, if you had recognized God's gift... Many of us, we don't recognize God's gift anymore. And who this is that is saying to you, this goes even deeper. There's people that you t speak to on a, on, a, on a regular basis. There's people that may even walk up to you that will start speaking to you. If you do not recognize because of how far you, far, how far you are, you will mismanage the presence of God. I remember I, I went for brunch somewhere, just myself. I, I was like, let me just get something real nice. And I was answering to my car. This guy was just looking at me, like just staring me down. I said, gosh, I got to get away ASAP, you know. <laughs> you know, I was like, let me get out of here. So I'm, I'm about to drive off. And he's like, oh, no, no, no. Hey, can I just, can I just say something to you? He's like, well, the Lord said, and he said three things. And at that moment, I said, yes, amen, amen, amen. You do not know who God is putting in front of you and who God will send to you. If you are so far off, if you are so insensitive, you will mismanage the opportunity that God will give you. You will throw away an angel. You will dishonor an angel. Three, three, three people showed up to Abraham's doorstep. He understood that that was the opportunity. Number four, how do we mismanage the presence of God? You are distracted. You're busy. We are so busy. So, so, so busy. When we get into a place, our mind is not there. We're thinking about where we're going next. Some of you are thinking about the brunch place right now. Should I go to Jamaican Gates, Tees, Buka? Where should I go? I don't know. I'm, I'm, the, group, the group chat is blowing up right now. But you drove 20, 30 minutes to come to church to answer group chat? Stay at home. We are so busy and distracted that we don't even know when it's our time to press in. Wait, what did he say? What did he say? What was the scripture? You missed it. It's gone. You missed it. So distracted. So busy. Revival. We were on seven weeks of revival. If you see, people were busy. The people that should be in church were not in church. 
you should have been in church. You were not in church. You know, I had events. I was tired, you know. Busy and distracted. What does the scripture say? I open the Bible because it's not me just talking. Luke 10, 39 to 42. Luke 10, 39 to 42. Luke 10, 39 to 42. This is what Jesus says. And she had a sister. Talking about Martha. Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. Can we just go there? You can even be distracted just with serving. I know we like to say that, oh, you're going to miss out. No, no, no. You people that are serving, tap in. You're here. Don't settle for the podcast. You're here. Much serving. And she approached him. She approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to cook all this food, all this abula, all this jollof rice? Therefore, please tell her to help me because she's useless. 41, and Jesus answered to her and said, Martha, Martha, what do you say? You are worried and troubled about many things. 42, but one thing is needed, what he says, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. The food will be gone, you will eat it. You can come back and cook the food. But the good parts will never be taken away from her. When things are going on, your mind is not there. Checked out. Distracted. I have things to do. Okay, miss, your, miss, your, miss that prayer points. Miss it. This was your opportunity. You weren't there. I was saying this in the first service that many people, I can just imagine, I, I would not want to have lived, I would not want to have been a person that lived in the time when Jesus was here and missed the blessing because I was too distracted. Many people walked with Jesus. Crowds were in his midst. And we only have just how, we, don't even, we only have a few, a few, few miracles in, in, in the book. He fed the 5,000. What is it, like 20, 20, 20, 20 miracles? 5,000 people. I'm sure maybe there's more that's probably out there, but imagine the physical presence of God is in your midst and you still missed it. I'll go through these quickly. What happens when we mismanage the presence of God? What happens when we mismanage the presence of God? Because we just spoke about how do we mismanage the presence of God. But what happens when we do it? Number one, we release the anger of God. Uh, People don't want to talk about this one. We release the anger of God. God has standards. God is detailed. God has standards. I'll read the scripture, 2 Samuel 6, 5 to 7. 2 Samuel 6, 5 to 7. 2 Samuel 6, 5 to 7. You can write that down. There you go. So yeah, start from 5. David and the entire nation of Israel were celebrating in the Lord's presence with all kinds of instruments. So worship was going on. Made from cypress woods and the lyres, harps, tambourines, sistrums, and cymbals. Verse 6. But when they came to Nakun's threshing floor, so like a, like a more like textured floor, the oxen stumbled, the oxen that was carrying the presence of God. So Uzzah reached for the ark of God and grabbed it. Verse 7. The Lord became angry with Uzzah, so God killed him there for his lack of respect, Jesus. He died beside the ark of God. He died beside the presence of God. I want you to understand that it says, 
for his lack of respect. Some of you are the most are disrespectful in the presence of God. I'm not just talking about here. In your secret place. Disrespectful. God has standards. This is the same God. This is not a new version. It's, a, it's the same God from yesterday. Here's the thing. God would have rather his ark fall on the ground than a man unqualified. Scripture says Levites are the ones that are supposed to carry the ark. He would rather his ark fall on the ground and tumble than an unqualified man touch it. What does that tell you? If you mismanage the presence of God, the anger can be unleashed. Because God expects the best. What happened with Cain and Abel? He expects the best. Offer the best. Come with the best. Present yourself the best. Number two, what happens when we mismanage the presence of God? As beings, we become fearful. Many times we will become fearful because it's not until we see God manifest himself in that way and realize that God has standards that we now start to think that, ah, man, this God is serious. Oh, I, I didn't know that this was a situation. In general, we should have a fear of God, not in a, in a oh my gosh, no, but in a reverence way. In, in general, we should. But the thing is that sometimes when we get so complacent and so familiar with God, we now, we now forget who he is, how big he is. And we start to think we're bigger. So when situations like what happened in that scripture happen, we now start to, to be, get afraid. And every, in most scriptures, when it, sees the, when it says the presence of God was in a place, when an angelic form came, most times what is followed is by is, is, is fear. Is a, they're afraid. There's a reverence that comes in the presence of God. Many of us, we don't reverence the presence of God. And number three, what happens when we mismanage the presence of God? We build monuments. We build monuments. Why do we build monuments? Because monuments allow us to have a, a level of reference to what happened, even though we are the, we're supposed to be the evidence. So when we build up monuments, every time we look back at the Instagram story, or every time we look back at the conference show, we're like, oh, yeah, God moved during that time. God was great. When we look at the journal, yeah, that was good. But aren't you, aren't you tired of just sharing stories and just buying merch and just saying it was great when moves of God happen? It's time that we become the evidence of it. It's time that we stop building monuments. We look at the scripture of Peter. I'll, I'll go through this quickly. Peter was supposed to, Jesus invited uh, Peter, John, and James up to the mountain. We, you can write the scripture down, Luke 9, 28. Luke 9, 28. He invited, he invited Peter, James, and John up, to, I'm guessing, to pray with him. And, and, and what happened is that, uh, guess what? They fell asleep. They fell asleep. And during the time that they fell asleep, what happened is that Jesus began to be transfigured. Transfigured. And by the time Peter woke up, Peter now saw with Jesus... He saw Elijah and Moses, Elijah and Moses. And you see, here's the thing. When we are so unprepared in the presence of God, when we are so busy, when we are so out of it, what happens is that we begin to react when there's a move, a move of God. We just react. For some people, unfortunately, you leave the room. <laughs> For some people, you sit down. For some people, you grab your phone. 
Because you're so out of tune that the only thing you can do is react to what's happening. And unfortunately, when it comes to our reaction, it may not be worthy of what is needed for the movement. The scripture says that when Peter awoke, we got we to gotta open that real quick. Uh, uh, Luke 9, verse 33. Luke 9, verse 33. Luke 9, there we go. It says, as the men were leaving Jesus, Peter said to him, Master, how good is it that we are here? We will make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. What does the scripture say? He did not really know what he was talking about. He just woke up. The scripture says it. He didn't know what he was talking about. Verse 34. While he was still speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them with its shadow. And the disciples were afraid as the cloud came over them. See, afraid again, 35. A voice from the cloud said, this is my son, and who, my son who I have chosen. Listen to him. You see, Peter was so insensitive to what was happening in the moment that, that there had to be a voice that said, bro, shh, zip it. This is my son. Why are you trying to build monuments? Why are you trying to build tabernacles for past people? This is the chosen one. Listen to him. And so what happens is that when we have, and this is for people who have said, okay, maybe I've been building monuments before. Maybe I've been so out of touch that I'm not even, I haven't really been changed. You see, when you've built one monument, I'm telling you, one is enough. One is enough. One is enough. When you have glamorized the experience but you are not truly changed, it's enough. Your life is still the same. Conference was crazy, but your life is still the same. Nothing. You try and find scraps to make up. Everyone has testimony, so I got to have a testimony. You know, I felt something in my body that day. You try and figure out something to make it seem as if, like, you had an experience as well, that you were transformed. But you weren't. Because you weren't present. While others were getting something, he passed you by. Because you were checked out, you were numb. I'll take it there for you. You have, you have, a, you have a personal standard. The drums don't sound good. They're not singing your favorite song. Let's be real. Even at home when, they play your, when you play your favorite song, you still fall asleep. So it wasn't good to your standard, but he passed you because of that. Because you were worried on other things. You were distracted. And so we need to get from a place where we are done with monuments and we say, God, I need to become the evidence. When we look at the, 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 the scripture of Jacob, when we look at the story of Jacob, the next time Jacob had an encounter with God, guess what? He was awake. And what did he say? I won't go until you. Because I'm not going to build another rock and put it here as a monument. I have to be the evidence. Something must change after this encounter. That first encounter was great and everything, but I was asleep and I didn't even know you were there. But this time, I'm going to stay awake. Scripture says that he wrestled till dawn, till morning. And he said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And he became the evidence the next time that Peter was now asked, and now in the presence of God, we find him in the upper room. Peter waited. He waited. And what happened? He became the evidence. No longer will our evidence be a picture, an object, a post, a story, merchandise. It will be us as the evidence. 
you must be from the, you must be from the Gap Church. I can tell. When, they, when Peter denied Christ, they said, yeah, I think you're one of him because you're, the, everything about you screams Jesus Christ's disciple. Evidence. Not just monuments and clout. Evidence. Not just checking the report. Evidence. If your life is not changing, you're just evidence. You're just, you're just, you're not an evidence. You're just a monument at that point. And I want you to understand this to close out. We are temples. And so, of course, back then, the presence of God wasn't necessarily in everyone, but we get to carry the presence of God. And so what does that mean? It's great. It's great that we get to carry the presence of God. But what we need to understand is that there's a greater responsibility. There's a greater responsibility because now, 24-7, we must make sure that we don't mismanage the presence of God. This is what it looks like for the next step for us. That we have to make sure that we are sensitive. We were saying this in the gathering that, you know, I was saying this in the gathering that when it comes to revival and sustaining it, sustaining is keeping the momentum the same. Don't drop off. We have to get on the pace of God. God is within us, so you should know the pace. So... We now are constantly becoming the evidence if we are truly in the will of God. And for us, we need to find out what is the will of God. That's what it comes down to. What is the will of God right now? As I'm in this worship room, as I'm in this place, as I'm in my secret place, God, what is your will? Please, let us start coming back to church. Start coming to our secret places with goals now, please. We come, we come with no plan. I'll just get lost. That's great. Get it. I get it. But we don't even have expectation anymore. No expectation. If he meets me, cool. If he doesn't, cool. I'll do my record. And I'll check, check it off the list. God, when I'm coming to this service, you must meet me. I must be changed. God, I struggled with lust last week. By the time I come into my secret place and pray, God, I pray that the craving will be gone. We don't have it anymore. We don't have it. We don't have it. We just complain. I don't know why I keep doing that. Like I've been praying to God. You, you don't, you want it. You don't really care. Let's be real. So we have to come back and understand that we carry the presence of God now. And so there's no longer monuments anymore because inside of us, we are Bethel. We are the house of God. And we must change. We must be evidence. We must be transformed. By their fruit you shall. Okay. It's simple. Are you bearing fruit? If not, cut some things off. Replant yourself. Cut some stems off. Change your diet. It's simple. For the next season we're going to, and the Gap Church is important that we get this now because God will move. He's going to move even greater than he's moved before. Amen. Yeah. Amen. But it will be a shame if we're present but not really present. And no longer is, are you going to be dragged to get into it anymore. I'm going to let you guys know this right now. No longer is there a dragging mechanism. Come on, come on, get out. No, no, no. If you like, sit down and stay the same. You'll deal with it when you're 40. 
Thank you, God forbid. Thank you for saying that. It's true. It's true. You will deal with it later. If you like, don't pray. I don't want to say anything, Sha. But they said I was the one that said it. But in general, please, we must come in the presence of God. We must be people that host the presence of God with gratitude, with respect, with reverence. So when you're doing that thing, ah, this is not this is not respectful. We must be a people that respects God. Let's bow our heads. The one prayer I want us to just pray right now is that, God, help me to not mismanage your presence. Help me to not mismanage your presence. Help me to not mismanage your presence, oh God. Time and time again, we see that when a word goes forth or when the presence of God is there, we see the story of the seed and, and how a farmer planted a seed and there's different explanations of what happens to that seed upon different people. For some people, the seed remains on the surface. And so the evil one comes and just plucks it out. For some, the seed scatters on the road. That's for people who they hear the word, they're in the presence of God, and they respond with enthusiasm. But there's no soil, no so soil of character. And so when everything is done and the emotions are gone, the seed's gone. We see that the seed that casts in the weeds, that's the person who hears the kingdom news, but the worries of life and illusions take them out. But then we hear about the seed that casts on good soil, the person who hears and takes in the news, and what happens? And then produces, becomes evidence beyond his wildest dreams. So God, I don't want to mismanage your presence. Lord, I don't want to mismanage your presence. God, it will not be a situation that you are here and I did not know. That you are here, that you are here and I was not transformed, God. That will not be the situation with me. And even now, there's some people, whether watching online or in person, that the first opportunity when it comes to managing and becoming transformation, becoming a transfer, becoming a, 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 the evidence is understanding that there's an opportunity for you to come into relationship with Jesus Christ. This is where it starts. Whether you've been in relationship with him and it's not how it used to be, you can rededicate your life. Or whether it's something that you want to start afresh. I believe that there has to be an opportunity in this service. And so we're going to pray a prayer together. And if you truly want to come back into relationship with Jesus Christ or start a new relationship, I want you to pray this prayer with seriousness and pray it unto God. And as we pray it, I want us to all pray together as we support those that are making this decision. So let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Help me to know you better. As I accept you today, take over my heart and dwell in me. Forgive me of my old ways and help me to change into the person that you want me to be. I love you, Lord, and I proclaim that you are my God. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to keep our heads bowed right now. And for those people who said this prayer and truly meant it, God, I want to come into a relationship with you. I just want you to raise your hand right now. 
just raise your hand right now because I want to pray with you. If you're online, just text SAVED and we're going to have someone pray with you as well. And if you have your hand raised as I pray for you, we're going to also have a moment where we're going to uh, send a, 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 you can send a text, text to the number, and that will come up during announcements. But I'll pray with you real quick. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you, God, for these individuals that are coming into relationship with you, God. I want to say thank you, Heavenly Father, God, for this bold step. I say, God, you see their hearts as they're coming back into unity with you, God. I pray as they have uh, c confessed their sins, Lord, I pray that you wipe away all the dirt, Heavenly Father, God, and put a clean slate with them, Heavenly Father. We pray, Heavenly Father, even as they're going forth, God, let them be uh, uh, great carriers of your presence, God. I pray even against um, guilt and shame and so many things that may want to come up, Heavenly Father, God, to try and uh, bring them back and try and disqualify them, God. We, we, we silence that voice, Heavenly Father. I pray let them begin to see the manifestation of your presence and the manifestation of your relationship with them, God, in the next few weeks, Lord. We say thank you, God. As your angels rejoice, we rejoice with them, Heavenly Father. All glory belongs to you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Can we just make some noise for God right now? Thank you for tuning into the Gap Church Podcast. We hope this message blessed you. If you made that choice to give your life to Christ, congratulations. We celebrate you. Don't forget to text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Again, text SAVE to 817-381-5353. Thank you so much and have a blessed week.